stand like a friend next <laughs> Some of you remember that. Woo. Hey, it's, it's really good, though, to, to, to greet one another and to love one another. Um, yeah, I've said it before because the Bible says it. When we gather together like this or uh, in a small group or what, as tonight we're going to do, we're going to gather under the tent and have um, a potluck and, and some worship. Uh, Believer's Chapel is going to come and join us. We're going we're gonna to fellowship together. And when you are with a group of people is the only time you can fulfill much of the Bible because the Bible says that you're supposed to love one another. You're supposed to pray for one another. You're supposed to exhort one another. You're supposed to carry one another's burdens. You can't do that on your couch in front of the TV. But when we get out here, even though it's early and some of you are like are still waking up, you know, and and it's and it's hard. I mean, if we you know, look at we get we got kids. You know, getting kids to church on time at nine thirty. I mean, that's right. That that is a task and a half. And uh, it's always been fun over the years to look at. It was probably my kids years ago, but, you know, watching the young families come in and just, you know, invariably there'll be one or two kids you could tell. I mean, they dress themselves, their, their shirts on backwards, their hair sticking up, you know, because it's, it's tough to get here. But the reward of gathering together is, is so great. We're encouraged. We're, we, we feel the love of God. And so I'm so glad that you came this morning, and I pray that you are ready to uh, receive a word from the Lord this morning. Um, a couple of quick announcements that we really already made it. Tonight is the potluck and, um, and time of worship. We're not sure exactly how it's going to look, um, but 5 o'clock we're going to come, we're going to eat, and then we'll have some fellowship. And, and if we can get all the dynamics done, we'll have some worship too, uh, whatever that's going to look like. So come. Um, Believer's Chapel is going to be coming out. We're going to be having, you know, we're going to cook, throw some hamburgers on the barbecue as well, but bring a dish, bring a main dish, bring a side dish, bring something, and we'll have a, a great time. Uh, together fellowshipping and you know this isn't closed you know it's just anyone who who wants to come and and bring a, a, a meal to share or if you invite people and say well we can't bring anything then you go and get something more and bring something for them so that we can all uh, share in what we have tonight and just have a great time of fellowship um, I think my mind isn't working very well I think that's all the announcements otherwise they're all in your bulletin so yeah you just have to look for that. Um, baptism I did want to mention this baptism is the uh, last Sunday of August. We're going to have our, I'm not going to say, I don't want to say the end of summer barbecue, but it is the week before Labor Day. So anyways, we're going to have our barbecue and baptism on that last Sunday, right after church. You go home and get your stuff. We'll come back. We'll meet over at the um, Whispering Pines Mobile Home Park where we've had it before. We'll have a baptism there in the jacuzzi. So if you want to be baptized, uh, let me know, and we'll, we'll talk about that. There'll be a class, and it'll be a great time to, uh, to, to have baptism. We've got a couple kids um, going to be baptized. There's actually a whole family, but can't come on that day, so we're gonna be, I'm going to be doing it th that at their house a different time. Anyway, so put that on your calendar, and then in between, two more weeks from now, we're having another night under the tent, um, worship and potluck. So put those things on your calendar. We're going to receive an offering uh, before we get into the message this morning. And, um, you know, it's just a time to, to be faithful to what God has said. Uh, there's a lot of scriptures talking about giving, but he says at the, at the beginning of, your, of the week, set aside something of which God has blessed you with to bring and, and give um, to the body. And so we're going to do that this morning.
We're going to give unto the Lord, and we're going to continue the ministry that's been ha- is happening here. And uh, he wants to expand it and continue to minister. And so we're going to pray for this offering and um, just believe for good things from God. Heavenly Father, this morning as we give into the offering, we want to give with all of our hearts. We want to give, as the word says, cheerfully, but also obediently and faithfully, Lord. So as we sow into um, the kingdom of God through the Journey Church here, we pray that you would bless it. God, um, you know, there's a lot of lost hurting, disenfranchised people here in this valley. God, we desire to minister to them and, and, and bless them. So, Father, as we give, we pray that you continue to use us um, in different ways, God. That you would also empower and encourage each of us. 12, or it was 11.08, so I had gone way over. So we're going to make sure that, that keeps flashing, and, and uh, you know, we'll give Mickey the sign if he's going too long. But... Um, <laughs> We are in, in, uh, in, in week four uh, of, of this message, and I just kind of wanted to give the recap again. Uh, um, and and I'm, I just left it up here today because I didn't know if I'd write it very well. But remember, we've been talking about how everyone in the church is in one of these four places, but that we're supposed to be moving in our faith, that no matter where you're at is awesome. God loves you right where you're at. And you might be here this morning, as we even have some visitors, but you might be here this morning, and you are exploring God. You, you don't know much about God. You maybe have not made a decision to become a Christian, but you're exploring God. And so you're in this first group, and that's awesome. And our prayer is that in this process, you will come to find what we talked about earlier in the worship, grace. Find out that it's God's grace that, that is there to set you free, to give you hope, to give you a future. And as, we, as, as many of us in this room have done, we found God's grace. We tried on our own. We did our own thing for a long time. And then we found God's grace. We moved to this next group. And this BG stands for, not the BGs, um, but, uh, but beginning in God. And it's, it's just this natural thing that you begin to find his grace, that you now begin uh, your walk in God. And, and you come here at the beginning exploring God, and you begin to fellowship with other people. You get to know them a little bit. And, and you come to God's grace through the cross of Jesus, and you begin your walk in God, and you enter into a relationship. And that's an awesome thing. You enter a relationship with God, and also you begin to get a relationship with others. Um, do you remember what the two greatest commandments are in the Bible? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And what is the other? Love your neighbors yourself. You can't be a Christian without having relationship with others. We're supposed to love them. So we begin relationship with God and with others, and, and we, we begin to just walk, and we begin to learn. And one of the things we, we be discover is that the Bible, which mine's over there, the Bible is full of God's truth, of his word. Um, some people have, have given the acronym of the Bible that it's basic instructions before leaving earth, um, that it's, it's useful, the Bible says it's useful to teach us, to train us, to encourage us. And so what happens, in order to kind of move to the next place, because remember, our life is, we're always on a journey. Wherever you are now, probably won't be the same place you are in six months, in a year. And you begin to discover the Word of God and its importance in your life, and that actually it has um, counsel for you. It's got truth. Jesus said he, he is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and that was Jesus. But the Word 
is there to bring us life. And it's living and active, the Bible says about itself. So, so as you discover the word, you start basing your life on the word, and you, and you become this next group, which is you begin to be close to God. You actually begin to experience relationship with him, and you're close to him. You're, you're reading his word. He's teaching you things. And you become a disciple, and you enter into that, that place called discipleship. And, and where you're just beginning disciplined, you're becoming disciplined to follow God and whatever he says. And that's hard. Some of you are saying here, you know, you, you might be at this spot like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been exploring God and I've, I've made a commitment to him and I, I know that I need his grace, but boy, following him is difficult. Um, choosing to obey all of his commands is difficult, but as you do that, you become a disciple of Jesus. And, and God, Jesus told us not to go and make converts, just people who've received Jesus. He actually wants us all to become disciples. And so that's, that's where we, we go. And then, and then to get to this final spot here, which is the GC stands for God-centered. It's where God is at the center of your life. You've, ha- you've been in relationship with a wh- for a while. You know, you're, knowing, you're learning his word. You are basing everything you do. You're becoming a disciple. And pretty soon, everything in your life is God-centered. That when you make a decision about where you want to live even, God is in the equation. The, the job that you're going to have, God is in the equation. Everything is revolving around God. The word that, that represents that is lordship. He has become your lord. He's the absolute lord of your life, the master. Remember, lord just simply means master. It would be the, the master of the house. They still use this term in some places. And so when we talk about Jesus is your lord, he's your, he's your master. And, and that's in our, in our context, in our culture, that's not a great thought. I don't want to have a master. So we buck against that. But God wants us to submit under his leadership and his love for us. So we become God-centered. He becomes our Lord. And how do we actually give there? We actually get to this spot because we've learned something. And it's, we've learned b- about giving. And th- today's message is about giving. Now, right away, some of you are like, man, I should have missed one. This is the one I should have missed. I should have stayed home because the pastor is going to beat on us about giving money. And, and people that, you know, people... In fact, if you're visiting today, I'm going to take a wild guess. The last time you were at church, the pastor talked about money. It just somehow that seems to happen, especially for some people that just go occasionally. And, no, this, we're not talking about giving money. We're actually talking about if he's the Lord of your life, it's about giving everything. See, it's, it's that we've just surrendered our life to him. And we says, Lord, you know, whatever I have is available to you. Now, now, Mickey's, you know, we, we were going to tag team this message, and we had dinner over at their house last night, and it was great. And we were, we were kind of talking about what we were doing. He brought out his paper with his notes, and I think at one point he says, no, I got these 12 points. And I said, okay, 12 points, I'm just going to give you all my time too, and you can have this, because he's talking about giving and being generous. And so we want to understand that. But listen, there's something I just, he's probably going to cover all this. We didn't go over all of his message. When, when we're talking about giving all to the Lord, it's not that you, you have everything you give and you, you just say, okay, I'm just going to give it all to you right now and lay it on the altar. Because God is not saying to sell everything you have and, and give it all right now, unless he is, and he might. But what, he's, what, what this th- idea of giving is that you're just available and ready at any time. And he, he might say, listen, I want you to give up your spare bedroom for a month to this person who needs it. Hey, you know that, that man cave you've got? There's a couple who needs to live in it. Some of you are like, Might get rid of my man cave? You know that garage that you just finished? You got all your tools set up just right? 
there's somebody in the church who needs to store their stuff in your garage. It's just about being open and ready to say, whatever I have, God, is yours. Now, now one of the things that, that he does talk, touch on, and Pastor makes a good talk about this, is you know, often our hearts are really closely connected to our wallets. In fact, most men, if they pull out their wallet and they pull it too far away, they get a chest pain because it's just, it hurts. And because of that, see, part of this idea of lordship is really that God is saying, listen, do you trust me? See, being generous um, produces trust. It takes trust, and it produces more trust. When you give to the Lord, you, you, you trust him to say, God, I, I don't know what I, how I'm going to pay my bill, or I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to trust you, and we, we live open-handed. I, I heard this illustration this week. It's interesting. Um, you know, some people say, you know, babies are just born good. They're just good. The person who said that never had a baby. Okay? Because babies, from the moment they're born, are selfish. I mean, you know what? You know, this little girl does not kind of wake up and go, I wonder if mommy's asleep. Because if she's asleep, I'll just sit in my wet diaper for a while. She screams and says, I want what I want right now, no matter what. And, right, and, 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 and you, which of us parents ever had to teach our kids to say no? Say, say, okay, now, son, listen, when mommy comes to you and says, you know, give me that toy, you say no. Okay, let's practice that. We never had to practice that with our kids. They just automatically rebel. The, so the, here, all that together, here's the example. When a baby's born, their fists are closed. And they keep their little fists closed. Maybe this isn't, but this was really funny. Like it's true, and they just sit there because they're selfish, and they're closed-handed, and it takes a long time to get a kid to share anything with anyone else, right? I mean, you know, it's when when your kid shares at the park that first time, you're like, rather than they take the toy and hit the other kid on the head. Now my kids have never done anything like that. Um, and, and I'm not saying this is a real spiritual, spiritual thing and, and, and true, but there was kind of this thing. Isn't it interesting that we have to teach our kids to open their hand and to be generous? It doesn't come natural. Okay, a lot of us in here are like the baby. We've got our hands closed. And we've got to be taught to open our hand and say, okay, I'm going to share with what I have. And this meddles with us. But I want to encourage you, as you begin to practice open-handed living, giving, being generous, whether it's with your time. You know, some, some of you just people pull on you all the time for your time, whether it's to counsel or to go move something. It might be with your resources, your finances, your truck. Um, I, I thought at one time about getting rid of my truck because I get so many calls, Pastor, can you come and help me move something? So I decided instead I'll keep my truck and have a back problem because then I don't have to move anybody's stuff anymore. But, but, but you know, people, pe people like, they, they pull on you. And so the thing is, is like, okay, I'm going to learn to live open-handedly. Now, here's the thing. No is still an okay answer. Sometimes there's a season, and we don't want to, Mickey's going to get into this a little bit. So you don't have to just always give everything away because if you give everything away today, Next week, somebody's going to need something, and there's not going to be anything to give them. Does that make sense? So we're not saying sell it all. You know, 
we're going to build a new church after you give us everything you own. And now we're just talking about learning to live open-handed. Pastor's not going on a vacation to Tahiti. But, but we want to learn that principle of, of open-handedness in giving. And so uh, Mick's going to come, and he's going to beat us up for about a half an hour. No, he, he's going to bring the word. Let's, let's pray for him and the word. Father, we thank you um, for your word. It's truth. Your words are life. They're spirit to us. God, I pray that you would help us to learn this um, idea of, of giving. God, help us to continue to move in our journey. Lord, wherever we're at, that we'll just keep moving and we'll go from exploring God to beginning in God. We'll get close to God. And then finally, Lord, we'll be God-centered. And that by doing that, we'll, you'll have taught us, God, to be open-handed and generous. God, we pray for anointing upon Pastor Mickey this morning. We thank you for his heart, um, for his example in my life, even as someone who lives very open-handedly. Bless this time in the Word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, we are going to go through uh, 10 points on giving. And how many of you guys know what this book is? You guys who are uh, the young guys in class, what, Aiden, what book is this, you know? Yeah, this is, this is a book called Strong's, right? And in it, you guys know why it's called Strong's? Takes a lot of strength to hold this book up. Um, it's because it has, every, it tells you every word in the Bible how many times it's there, right? Now, it tells us how many times words are in the Bible. So let's, um, I'm going to give you guys a little test. The word believe um, Aiden, how many times do you think the word believe, you guys are in the front row, so you're in trouble. Um, <laughs> how, many, how many times do you think the word believe is in the Bible? 217. You're pretty close. 272 times, Aiden. That was pretty good. Ooh, man, you're good, Aiden. Okay, so I better give you the next one, too. You were so good at that one, Aiden. There, here you go. The next word, praise. How many times is the word praise in the Bible? 382. Wow, Aiden, you are good. It's 371. Uh, <laughs> I didn't tell him any of these before we started. Okay, Aiden, here, it's going to get harder. Okay, it gets harder. Um, how about, so here, if you keep going, I'm going to take Zach surfing. I'm letting him pick a board of mine to go with. If you get this one that within 100, I'll take you with us, okay? Okay. So, Aiden, what about this, the word love? How many times is it in the Bible? 747. 714 times. Okay, but now... So how many times, Aiden, I'll give you another shot. Okay, if you're within a thousand, you can go surfing with us, okay? <laughs> it's getting bigger, right? Uh, Aiden, what about the word give? How many times is the word give in the Bible? Whoa. Aiden, you get to go surfing with us. It's 2,152 times the word give is in the Bible. Now, that was good, Aiden. That was really good. So, uh, you, when Zach comes to my house, you come with him, and I have like eight surfboards. You pick one out, and that's the one you'll surf on, okay? 
<laughs> now, um, for you guys, when you think about that, why is the word give in there so many more times than the word love? What do you think? Man, you guys, you guys act like you've had this lesson before uh, because that was perfect. Um, giving is love in action, isn't it? That's what giving is. When you give, it's love in action. And so we're told a whole bunch of times, a lot of you guys are going to go like this. When I'm done, you're going to say, you didn't cover my favorite verse. Um, well, there's 2,152 times we're told to give in the Bible, so I don't think after Rob used up half the time that I have enough time <laughs> to go all the way. Um, <laughs> he was telling me last night, you know, you have a lot of words. I better let you have the whole time. And I was thinking when he was talking, he has a lot of words too. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about 10 reasons why we should give, okay? 10 reasons why we should give. Uh, we should give number one I think this is the number one reason we should give to be more like Jesus he gave everything that song that we're singing in worship I'm amazed that he loves me are you guys amazed that he loves you you guys probably um, in your life you have not seen the amount of times that God is going to love you because you're so young. I'm 67, and I've seen it a whole bunch of times, and I'm amazed at how much he loves me. I can't believe at how much he loves me, and I can't believe how much he loves you. When you think about giving, you think he gave everything. He gave it all. And in Scripture, it talks about us giving one-tenth one-tenth you know honestly I think that's pathetic one-tenth he gave me everything and the only thing he asked back is one-tenth you guys know who Rick Warren is Rick Warren uh, wrote the book uh, it's probably the most well sold book uh, besides the Bible and it was called the purpose driven life and in it, he, in the very first one, the very first purpose that he shares is, it's not about me. And that's the very first thing that he gets to the point is, it's not about me. Uh, and so Rick Warren made a lot of money off of that book. Um, and, and I've heard a lot of people criticize him, and I'm like, ooh, they better be careful who they compare themselves to. This man gives away 91% of his income and he lives off 9%. And he has a truck that's 17 years old. And he can well afford to buy a brand new truck. But he won't use his money for that. And I'm thinking, you know, wow, that's, that's a pretty good model. Giving 91% living on, now, you guys would probably say like me, I'll take his 9%, you know. <laughs> it, it's, it's probably a lot more than my 100%. <laughs> and so it's easy to say that, but listen, when you guys think about giving, isn't it true that most of the time the people who are teaching us about giving make a lot more than we do, 
And I remember when I was young listening to this guy teach, and I was thinking, easy for him to say, he makes 10 times what I make. Um, but here's, here's the issue. Uh, the issue is really us in our heart. And like Rob was saying, do we live with the open hand? So let's look at 10 principles why we should give. In James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, you can look in your Bibles there. It says this. If you see a brother or sister in need and they don't have any clothing or daily food and you say to them, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. What use is that? You know what? Um, There's so many times when we see people in need and we wonder how to respond to that, right? And so when you start thinking about giving, I start saying to myself, like, what would Jesus do? In this situation, what would he do? We all struggle with things like this. When you're at a gas station and somebody comes up to you and they ask for money, right? And so lately I've been saying to people who come up and ask me for money, give me a verse and I'll give you a dollar. And for every verse you can quote to me, I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> and some, I've heard some very strange verses um, <laughs> from these guys. And, and a lot of times I'll say, well, that's actually not in the Bible. Um, because they'll start making up verses and they'll give me all kinds of stuff. God helps those who help themselves. I'm like, no, it's not really in there. Um, but they start sharing lots of different verses. But the reason I start doing that is I get a chance then to share with them knowing the word prospers us, doesn't it? When you know this word, it's prosperous to you. I was listening this week. There's a, <coughs> um, a young guy under 14 years of age had sent in an envelope to this ministry that was helping with sex, traffic, sex trafficking Um, in the United States and one of the areas that it's happening in is Portland and so this young guy went out mowing lawns went out washing cars and he made not hundreds thousands of dollars and he 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 sent a note in when he sent the uh, envelope into the ministry I'm so sorry that I had to send cash but I'm too young to have a checking account and my mom doesn't have one either. And and I thought, listening to it, whoa, here's a young guy who said, I'm sending all that I have and I'm sending it to this ministry and he had been out working and he was young, didn't have any way to send it, but sent it all in cash. And I was like, wow. So one of the reasons that we give is to be more like Jesus, right? And so when we give, it it does make us more like Jesus. The number two reason, giving draws me closer to God. So turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter um, 16. Or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Jesus had to say. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy 
and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So when we're giving, we start going like this. If I give this, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a place where giving was tough for you. Uh, Susan and I, we were, I was teaching at Bellevue Christian School, and when I got that job, the guy who was the superintendent of schools who hired me, he, um, when he offered me the job, he said this. He said, you need to go home and pray about this job because if you don't have enough faith, you shouldn't take it because you're going to have to live by faith. And I was like, I wonder how much faith he's talking about. And he said, your pay for the year will be $6,400 for the year. And I had two kids and one on the way. And I was doing the math real quick in my head, going, hmm, so my, my take-home pay will be about $480 a month, and I have a $363 house payment. Hmm. I wonder about food and the other stuff, <laughs> you know, like gas bills, electric bills, water bills, doctor bills, those kinds of things. And when I walked out of there, I remember saying to myself, He's saying to me, can you walk by faith? And so when I took that job and started teaching at that school, Susan and I made a commitment to tithe. And here's what we had to do. We had to tithe at the beginning of the month. Because if we didn't, there wasn't going to be any giving at the end of the month unless the Lord did something incredible. And here's what happened to us. As we did that, we got blessed in every way. I mean, I could sit up here and bore you forever with the ways that God supplied to us. People gave us cars. People gave us money. People gave us all kinds of stuff. And it was without us going like this. It was, it was out without saying, we have a need people just gave and when they gave I was thinking what do you think that did to me what did that do to me as a Christian when when I was I was desperate <laughs> I was desperate right I mean you have people would come over to eat and if they ate too much Suze would be holding her breath like how are we going to eat for the rest of the month and and so it was crazy like when Rob was over for dinner last night and he had his 18th taco, we weren't worried about it. Um, just kidding, Rob. He only had four or five or six or something. <laughs> but honestly, uh, now we don't see God move in the same way that we did then because we were desperate for him then. And now, honestly, we're not. Uh, our finances are different than they were before. And we're not desperate for him financially. So you know what we don't see? We don't see miracles in that area very often. Unless we decide to do something like this, give in a way that really stretches. And then you know what happens? We get the most incredible things happening to us. 
Now listen to this. I know this is a lot of words, Rob, and I better hustle. But, um, so this is what happened to me two years ago. Um, the IRS didn't send me my, I had a, a tax refund of $1,700. And when I put down how much money they had taken out of my retirement account, uh, you know, they take it out for taxes. I, I, my tax system that I use rounds it up and theirs doesn't. And so they, they sent me this thing that says, how much you said was taken out for taxes is $1 different than what it was. And I was like, really, $1? They're worried about $1? They can keep it. Um, I'm not worried about that $1, but they withheld my tax refund for that. So then I had to go some, through some paperwork and send them in a thing saying, well, I'm not really worried about that. Uh, keep the dollar, you know, and they go, if you want to protest this and take this to court, you can go, and I'm court for a dollar? Are you kidding? <laughs> um, just, you know, send me my tax refund. And so we're getting ready to go on vacation, and my tax refund was $1,700, and they send me a check for $5,200. And I'm like, oh, this is three times the amount they're supposed to send me. So I call them on the phone. And I call the lady and I talk to her and I say, you know what? You've sent me too much money and on my tax refund. And she waited for a while and she said, are you calling to complain that we sent you too much money? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I am actually. I said, you know, it's, it's not a little too much. You sent me three times too much. And so she said, sir, you know how, you know, I do this all the time. You know, I've got your file in front of me. It's correct. That's penalty, penalties and interest. And I'm going, penalties and interest, uh, $3,400 on $1,700. I'm going, I'm a math teacher. That does not make sense. Who's, who's your boss? Can I talk to them? And she says, sure. And this guy comes on the phone and he says to me, hi, sir, you have a problem? And I said, yeah, you've sent me too much money and you guys have made a mistake. And so he, he looks, he says, sir, I have your file in front of me. And, you know, he said, sir, how often do you do your taxes? And I say, every year. He says, no, I mean, you know, do you do it just once a year? And I'm like, yeah. He says, I do them every day. And I'm telling you, it's right. And I'm like, um, I say to him, I'm pretty sure it's not right. Uh, and he goes, I do this every day. And you're, you can go to court and take us to court if you want us to take back the other money. <laughs> And, and I'm saying to him, this is unbelievable. Um, I'm just telling you, you gave me too much money. And he's going, sir, take the check and cash it. And I just said, okay, bye. And I said, huh. But we, I mean, have you heard stories like that? Um, I've, never, I've never experienced anything with IRS like that. And even then, I was like, I, I don't know if I should really cash this check, you know. Um, but we've had, I could bore you with a lot of stories how the Lord has blessed us over and over and over. And the more we live with the open hand, the more he blesses us. And so here's what happens. You guys know 
turn your Bibles to Malachi 3. Malachi, as Rob would say, as Rob would say, is the Italian prophet who's in the back of the book of the Old Testament. And in Malachi 3, this is the only place that you'll see where God challenges people. And this is verse 10. This is what he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this. Notice what he says here. He says, test me in this. He's saying, give and test me. This is the only place in all of scripture where it says, test me and I'll prove it to you. That's what he says here. He says, you give it to me, you test me, and I'll prove it to you. Now, some of you are sitting here thinking this. I know because I sat in your place and I know what you're thinking. Some of you are sitting there thinking this. I have tried that and it doesn't work. And, and here's the thing. You haven't tried it long enough. And you haven't tried it with an open hand enough. Because if you do, God will prove who he is. And you will be blessed beyond imagining. I have five kids. I was teaching in that Christian school. And then I moved up here and I was teaching in our school. And Susan and I made a commitment that she would be at home and be a stay-at-home mom. And that she wouldn't go get an extra job. And we wouldn't have those extra things. We wouldn't. And because of that, I used to say to myself, this was a lie, and you guys do what I do, I know. I was telling myself a lie, and this is the lie I was saying. Because I'm a teacher, my kids will never get to go to university. And then one day the Lord confronted me on that, and he was like, where's your faith? Where's your faith in that? You believe that? And I used to say to Suze, I'm going to work every day till they put me in the box supporting this family because we were so poor that during the summer times I had to work all summer just to make enough to make it through the school year and so what I would say is I'm going to be doing this the rest of my life well that was a lie too because I'm retired now and I don't do it I only work what the Lord tells me to do but here's what happened to our five kids our son Ryan went to Stanford we didn't pay for any of it. Well, we had to pay for just a little bit of it. Our son Craig went to UCLA. We paid very little of that. Our, son, our daughter Casey went to Westmont. And our son Chad went to Oregon. He took care of every one of them. And, and there's very, very little debt there. Almost none. Except for my daughter Casey. I don't, has Casey paid hers off? Susie, you know. Um, and so there's no debt either. And that was the Lord working in our kids' life. And what I was saying to myself was, Lord, my kids are never going to get to go to school until the Lord confronted me and said, where's your faith? Are you walking by faith? Okay, so now uh, turn your Bibles to uh, Kings. How many of you guys know uh, this one? The story of the widow at Zarephath who... Elijah comes to her and says this. Um, I want you, she was going to break, bake her last, uh, you guys can read it, I'll just tell you the story, was going to bake her last little loaf of bread. 
and feed her son, and then they were going to go lay down and die because there was a famine in the land, and they didn't have enough food. And so um, Elijah, God speaks to Elijah, says, go to this lady, tell her that she needs to cook that last thing of bread and then feed me. Not your, not your son, not you, feed me. So Elijah goes and tells her, yeah, you're going you're gonna to be blessed, but first you've got to take that last little bit you have and you've got to make a loaf of bread and feed me. Elijah was saying, feed him. You, what if you were her? I would have been telling Elijah, you get out of my house. You know, <laughs> uh, but no, she says, okay, and she f- makes that loaf of bread, feeds Elijah, and that then she, Elijah tells her, go look, and she goes and looks, and her supplies are replenished. And then she makes a loaf and feeds her son, and Elijah says, go look, and it was replenished. Now, you know that there was a famine in the land. God did that for her every day until that famine was over. So here's the thing. Is God going to replenish what you give? Do you believe that God will replenish what you give? Okay. We have to believe it because here's what happens. Once we give and then we see God meet our need, you know what Susan and I know now? He'll always meet our need. We've had two, fly, two floods and a fire in our house. And the last time we had a fire, it was like $330,000 of damage. We were outside and the house was burning and we were talking about something and we started laughing about something and our house was on fire. You could just, the whole thing was on fire. And the fireman came over and one of them I had coached later, he said to me, coach, what were you guys laughing about? Your house was on fire. And I was saying, we were all out. You know, the only thing that really mattered to me was out. It was all safe. And you know what? There's not anything that God can't restore to us. Do you guys know that? There's nothing that he cannot restore to you. And you guys are lucky. When you're young, if you give when you're young, and you start a pattern of giving when you're young, you will not believe the blessings God will pour out on you guys. And the fact that you guys can start when you're young, you guys should be tithing right now. You know, and I know that people probably are reluctant to say that to you guys because you're young and people don't want to put you under the law. But you guys know that the law sets you free. Do you know that? Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law. He said he didn't come to abolish the law. He said, I came to take that law and take it beyond what it was. You ever read the Sermon on the Mount? Like when you read the Sermon on the Mount, right, and you're looking at what Jesus said, he was always taking us beyond the law. So the giving of 10%, this is what I always think. That's a good beginning place. That's what it is. 10% is just a good beginning place. If you want to get blessed, if you want to be close to God, if you want to know Jesus in a way that you've never known him before, test him. That's what Malachi says. Test him. He'll prove it. Okay, another reason to give. Um, one of the things that um, Mother Teresa said is that our country is wealthy but spiritually poor. 
that we are spiritually poor. And when you look at that, you go, why are we spiritually poor? We're spiritually poor because of materialism in our country. Turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy 6. Uh, verses, we're going to go to 1 Timothy 6, and this will be verses 17 through 19. When you think about our country, and you think about what we have, have you ever, um, Susan and I went to Malawi, and when we went to Malawi, um, we got to do this thing where we went to the market and we bought food for people who were normal village people in Malawi. And so we uh, took a chicken and we, uh, when we, <laughs> we have a great picture of us with the gal who's the interpreter and Susan and I on the on the bus with this chicken and the chicken is looking all happy and everybody's smiling. I go, if that chicken knew what was coming, he'd not be smiling, you know, um, because he was in for not a good thing. And, and so the, the young girl who was the translator said, do you know how to kill a chicken? And I was like, well, I've seen it done by my cousin, but I haven't killed any chickens recently. And so she said, let me show you how to do it. And I, so I had to take the chicken, unfold its legs, step on the legs, and then grab its head and cut its throat. And when I did that, I was feeling the blood just pump out of the chicken. And I was thinking, this is the life of that chicken. I was going, oh. So before that all happened, I knew that these people rarely get to eat meat. They rarely get to eat meat. And so... We had bought this chicken. Before I killed him, I was thinking to myself, I'm not eating a lot of chicken. But after I killed that chicken, I didn't really want to eat any of them. Because then they plucked him, they gutted him, they put him in the pot and boiled him right there. And then they were going to eat him. And I was like, ooh, I kind of lost my appetite. Um, not real hungry. But this is what we know about a lot of the people in Malawi is that they eat different than we eat. Do you know how they eat different than we eat? Um, one of their favorite things is mouse on a stick. Ooh. We were on a bus, and this guy was, the bus driver was going to buy us um, something uh, extra good to give everybody on the bus. And this guy was selling all these uh, mouses on a stick, and there was still hair on them and stuff. <laughs> and so they bought them. And they're trying to get us to eat this mouse. And I, I'll eat about anything. But I'm looking at this mice, and he's still got hair all over him. And I'm like, oh, I don't think so. I don't think I'm going to eat that thing. S Suze wouldn't eat it either. Um, but here's what I note. I was talking to the kids. I was trying to teach them to play baseball. They all had great arms, really great arms. And I was a pitcher at Pepperdine. I'm like, how do these kids all have wicked good arms? And um, I was talking to this little boy who spoke English, and he said, um, I asked him, I said, how come all you guys can throw so good? What, what do you think was his response, guys? Why could every kid there had a great arm when it came to throwing? Why? They had to eat that way. They, if they threw at things and didn't hit them, they didn't eat. So they hunted by throwing rocks at mouse, mice and rats. And that's what they would eat. 
And I was like, oh boy, I'm glad I don't live here full time. Um, but those people uh, were so generous. When we, had the, if we went with them to eat, they're trying to fill up our plate and give us food. And I was like, oh, I don't want to take their food. You know, they barely get to eat. I get to eat all I want all the time. And so here's one of the things that we know is that um, for us, materialism is difficult because of where we live, isn't it? It's so hard. You don't think you want something. You know, I'll, I'll be going like this. I don't want anything. And then I'll get a fishing catalog that comes in the mail. <laughs> and I'll start flipping through there and go, oh, I could use that. I hadn't even thought about it before. Catalogs. Catalogs are bad. <laughs> because what they do is they make us want things, don't they? We'll see something and go, oh, I could. That's new. I don't have that. Last night, we had these guys over for dinner. And Sue's got a new tool for the kitchen. <laughs> and it looked like a watermelon rotor-rooter. And you were supposed to take this thing and roll it across the watermelon, and it plucked them out and pulled them up in sections. Don't buy that. It doesn't work. Okay? <laughs> it, it just mushes the watermelon. Um, <laughs> Sue's tried it last night. But catalogs, you know, we, materialism. What is the only cure for materialism? Giving. Giving is the only cure for that. Because once you start giving, you'll find that having that stuff isn't all that great. Having a lot of stuff owns you. Did you know that? When you have a lot of stuff, it owns you. Because you're busy fixing it all the time. I've, I, I took Joe out fishing. I have a motor for my boat that sits in... I have a drift boat. And... <laughs> You row it, right? You row it. That's how you power the drift boat. I have a motor that sits in my garage. I don't use it because it's always breaking down. And me, I don't break down that often. Well, not yet. Um, I know it's coming, but uh, I can row that boat for a long time, huh, Joe? And so I don't really break down that often. But I, I have looked in a catalog and and looked at motors and thought, oh, every once in a while, it wouldn't be bad to throw. But I go, I got one in, the, in my garage already that I don't use. How many things do you have that you don't use? So I was praying about uh, kids, kids in our youth, in our church. And, and I have seven surfboards. Seven surfboards. Do you need seven? You can only surf on one at a time. My son Chad and I were surfing in Hawaii and we, were, we caught a wave and we were practicing hopping on each other's board while we were in the same wave. Now then, it was actually more than one board at a time, but it's the only time I've ever done that. The rest of the time, it's one board at a time and I've got seven in my garage that are just sitting there. Um, I have a friend who I went to help uh, with his house. He had four different... Um, garages that you rent to store stuff in. And I was like, how much stuff do you need? You know? And when I was at his house, I liked to fish. He had something like 260 fishing rods. I was like, 
He could start a, f a fishing store with that. He'll start selling them. But us in the United States, if you have, if you have one car, one car, and you have one house, you're richer than 95% than of the people in the world. And yet, um, you know what? Giving in the United States is incredibly high. Here's an interest. You know who gives in the United States? Who do you think gives in the United States? I didn't know, and I, I did some looking up and some research. You know who gives in the United States? When we were in Malawi, they were, tr uh, they were trying to get us to help raise funds for the, the kids in Malawi. And they were showing me where their money came from. You know, most of their money came from elderly people on fixed incomes. Not wealthy people. Elderly people on fixed incomes. Now, there's a reason for that, I hope. Why do you think the elderly give? They're not selfish anymore. It took all that time to, like Rob was talking about, babies generally selfish. When I was your age, I was selfish. You guys are way in front of where I was as a kid. You're blessed. You guys are way in front of where I was as a kid. So giving is a cure for, oh, okay, so <laughs> we're, we're done. <laughs> I have a watch that works, Rob. <laughs> I didn't really finish all the points, but um, but here's here's the last point that I I, I do want to make the last point. So uh, I'm not done yet. <laughs> we're gonna, we're going to go to Matthew. Go to Matthew 25 and look at verses 31 through 40, because this is kind of I think gives off it it is probably the most important part about giving. So in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking about what happens when he separates the sheep from the goats, right? And, and it could be kind of a, a threatening place to read, but I'm going to start on verse 31. This is what it says. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in, naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. That's why we give. Because when we give, it's just like giving it to the Lord. And it's blessing him. It blesses him. Not that he doesn't need our giving. It, it blesses him because of our heart. 
Think of it as a parent. What about when your kids just bless you? And they do it just for the joy of blessing you and for no other reason. What does that do to your heart? That's what it does to the Father's heart. That's why we give. But look what he says. I love that section when he tells us. He says, but because of that, because of the, all of the ways that we responded to him, that he's prepared a place for us forever. And it is going to be so much better than where we are. Keith Green said, mm, if God, you know, built this place in seven days and he's gone away for 2,000 years, we're living in a trash can. Um, and really, don't we do it just out of love for Jesus Christ? People can tell you that you need to tithe. What I would be saying to you is if you, if you don't give with your whole life, you're missing incredible blessings. Live with an open hand and an open heart, and you cannot outgive him. And that's been the experience of my life. And I've been poor. I mean, I've been really poor. And I've seen nothing but God's blessing pour out on me. So Rob, want to come up and let's just close in prayer together. Uh, we want to pray for all of us that we'll all be givers. Givers of not just money. That's actually, money is pretty easy. There's our life. The giving with our life. So why don't you start out and pray. Right. Okay. Father, we thank you that you outgave us. Mm-hmm.